<laughs> What's it say? Well, it says, I love it when a plan comes together. Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. Podcast time once again. I, of course, am Brian Olson, and my guest today is an expert in marketing, and he is none other than Tim Fitzpatrick. Now, Tim is an entrepreneur and business owner with expertise in marketing and business growth. He has over 20 years of entrepreneurial experience with a passion for developing and growing businesses. That passion served him well in operating and managing a wholesale distribution company he co-owned for nine years. The company grew an average of 60% a year before being acquired in 2005. Now, since then, he's had failures and successes that have been valuable learning experiences. He started Rialto Marketing in 2013 and has been helping service businesses simplify marketing so they can grow with less stress. Most people overcomplicate marketing. It doesn't have to be that way. Tim, welcome to the show. Brian, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you know, same here. We have so many people reaching out to us with marketing-related questions. I know there's so much confusion in the marketplace, so great to have you here. And I would love to know right out of the gate about that wholesale distribution company that you owned. Man, you grew it like crazy. How'd you do it? Oh, man, I'd, I'd love to tell you that I that I had it all figured out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it was preparation and part of it was also uh, luck. But a lot of it too was relationships. You know, we um, when I get when I got involved, it was mid nineties, ninety six time frame. Nineteen ninety six time frame was when I got involved, and it was right around the time when flat panel televisions were coming out. You know, oh yeah, plasmas, LCDs, and most people would probably be shocked, but at the time, like a fifty inch plasma retailed at fifteen thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yep. So. You know, we and we were selling those. They were going out the door every day. So we were we were in at a good time. Um, we were we were selling consumer electronics into the custom installation market. So we were selling to contractors that were installing home theaters, home automation systems. They they might have been working with builders or doing high end custom work, but a lot of it was we did a ton of training. So we helped our dealers grow their business. And as their businesses grew, ours grew as a result. It was also a lot, we had very good relationships with other distributors across the country. So we were only selling in the Northern California market, but what we ended up doing was partnering with other distributors in other markets, doing the exact same thing as we were. And when we partnered together, we were actually able to offer manufacturers nationwide access into this market, which was, it was a really fractured market. So it was a very hard market for manufacturers to call on because a lot of these dealers, they didn't advertise, you know, our clients didn't advertise. They, you know, they worked out of commercial facilities. So a manufacturer couldn't realistically call on all these smaller dealers, which lended itself well to a distribution network. And when we were able to go to those manufacturers and say, hey, we can give you nationwide access, we do tons of training, you know, so we can train dealers on your products and, and help them grow their business and, and manufacturers just all over it. And so we were able to bring on a lot of very strong product lines, which in turn helped us grow our sales significantly. That's great. Now you mentioned 15 grand retail. What was your cost on those TVs? I'd love to know that. Oh man, uh, I don't remember what our cost was. The dealer cost when we sold those to our clients, it was about ten grand. Okay, wow. 
So, you know, there's been a lot of, and I've been out of the business for a long time, but even when I got out in the 2008, 2009 timeframe, we were starting to see a lot of price compression, you know, and so the margins, the profit in video is not, it was never huge to begin with, but it's not nearly what it was, you know, when, I mean, you can walk into Costco and buy a 67 DH flat panel for, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars now. You no, know, it's true. I remember in two thousand seven, like right in the beginning of the year, I bought an LCD. I took out a bonus at work and I bought an LCD. Like I think it was a forty-five inch for three grand. And I remember everybody in my family. Oh my god, they're so proud of me. And I guess nobody had them at the time. It was a big <laughs> thing. People would come over. Wow, look at that! I didn't realize at the time you had to have HD on your cable and everything else. You know, I'll turn the TV on. Man, it looks like crap compared to what they had in the stores. You know, so you had to upgrade all that. But uh, yeah, I remember those days. Now, I know you grew the business like crazy and you acquired. What led to the uh, the sale of the business in 05? It was, uh, again, it comes back to that partnership that we had with our other other distributors across the country. They um, We actually got approached by a large electronics distributor, IT distributor, that wanted to get into the into our space. And, you know, when you want to get into a new space, you can start from scratch or you can buy your way in. And uh, it was faster and, and easier for them to buy their way in. So they they approached us and and they ended what they ended up doing was buying. We had a holding company that all 12 distributors had a partnership in. And they ended up buying that and then each of the individual distributors as part of the deal. So it was kind of, it was an interesting deal. I, I mean, I was young at the time. I learned, I mean, I was learning so much just watching the whole thing unfold. It was, it was quite an experience to be a part of. No, it's great. I love it. Now, how did you get involved in marketing from there? So from there, uh, that's a great question. My entrepreneurial journey has not been a, a straight path, <laughs> as most of us know, right? It's a winding road. And uh, after we got acquired, I worked for the company that acquired us for three years. And in 2000, so I, and once my contract was up, I stayed on with them. And that's when I moved out. I told you before we went on air that I moved from Northern California to Denver. So I moved with the company out to Denver. And in 2009, I actually got laid off, which is not all, it's not as uncommon as you might think to get laid off by the company that purchased you. But you know, they were, we all know what happened in, in 2008 and 2009. It was, the, the economy was not good. And they were making a lot of decisions, I thought, as, you know, to hopefully benefit the short-term financials of the business rather than long-term because they were a public company. And uh, they ended up closing 30% of the branch locations we had across the country. So when I got laid off, I took some time off. And I decided to get into residential real estate. I had always been interested in it. So I became a realtor. And I did that for about three years or so. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, man, what were you thinking? But I believe there's opportunity in any market. And in that market, I was door knocking, you know, going to houses and knocking on their doors uh, who were in foreclosure to try and help them avoid foreclosure by selling their house. You know, what most people know is a short sale. So getting the approval from the bank to sell it for less than what it was worth. And man, after three years, I was like, I, this is not for me. I'm not enjoying this. I'm dreading going to work every day. I need to shift gears. And so that's when I 
you know, I started looking back at what, what I loved about being in distribution. Cause when I was in distribution, I never felt like I worked. I just, I, I loved it. And so I started thinking about that and how I could apply the skills that I had. And that's when I decided to, to get into marketing and, uh, uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I told you that wasn't a winding road as well. It has been, um, but it's taken us, taken me to where where we are today. And you know, we're just we're working to help you know service businesses primarily just simplify marketing and eliminate a lot of that information overload that people are battling when it comes to marketing. Yeah, no, definitely, there's a lot of that out there. So I know the topic of the day is the three fundamental marketing secrets to stop wasting your time and money, so you can take your business to the next level. We'll love to jump into this list. We can talk about it and uh, enlighten our audience with these three amazing uh, secrets that hopefully they'll be able to utilize with you. Absolutely. So the way the way I look at the marketing fundamentals is I call them the marketing strategy trilogy. So first, you have to understand who your target market is. You know, who are you going to serve, and how are you going to serve that market? From there you need to have clear, engaging messaging to that target market. And the third part is you have to have a plan. What's your plan for getting that message in front of that target market? So if you skip, a lot of people skip the the marketing fundamentals, Brian, because, you know, look, they're not cool. They're not sexy. Nobody's really talking about them all that much. It's not nearly as cool to talk about the fundamentals as it is to talk about TikTok or Clubhouse or YouTube or whatever, you know, the latest and greatest marketing tactic happens to be. But the fundamentals in any discipline, I don't care what it is, they don't change. So if I want to step up to the plate and hit a major league fastball, those fundamentals today are the same as they were 50 years ago, and they're going to be the same 50 years from now. And marketing is no different. If you skip those fundamentals, you're building a house without a foundation, which is never going to last long. So that's why I just, I'm so passionate and I love talking about the fundamentals because they're so important. If you skip them, you're going to waste time, you're going to waste money, and you're going to have to come back to them and address them at some point if you're going to see success. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this is the need to have, not the nice to have. Absolutely. You have to have it, you know? So if you think about your target market, you know, if you don't know who your target market is, who you're trying to reach, you can't possibly market effectively. You know, a lot of people look at and they, you know, they first get in business and they're like, yeah, I'm, can you pay me? Are you breathing? Yep, cool. I, we can work with you. And I think a lot of us make that mistake and we realize down the road, we're like, my gosh, some of these clients that I've been working with aren't the best fit for me for whatever reason. Maybe you don't like working with them. Maybe you don't get good results for them, but you can't try to reach everyone. It's just not practical. It's too broad. And most businesses, unless you're Amazon or Apple, you don't have enough money to do that. You know, even if you think about, even if you think about Amazon, Amazon didn't, when they started, didn't sell everything that they do today. They were, they were an online book retailer. They niched. And then as they nailed that niche, then they started to expand out from there into what we see today, but they didn't start out that way. Well, the question is, you know, what Amazon is a great example, you know, maybe they didn't know who their target market was, but in going out to the masses, they figured that out. So if a company came to you and said, listen, I just can't identify our target market. So I'm going to cast a wide net. 
would the process of doing that help them identify you know, what's resonating the most and who is responding? It can. It certainly can. Um, I think you have to, you should test that as quickly as you can, right? So one of the things that I recommend, Brian, with existing businesses, they've got current customers, they've got past customers. I think the easiest place for a business like that to start is to ask themselves three questions. One is, who do you enjoy working with? Okay, why work with people that like make our lives miserable every day? There's no point. Two, who are your most profitable clients? If we're going to stay in business, we need to be profitable, right? Selling things and not making money, we're, we're not doing ourselves any favors. And we're doing our, frankly, we're doing our clients a disservice because we're not going to be around to help them. And three, who do we do our best work for? If we work with people that we do our best work for day in, day out, what's going to happen? We're naturally going to get more referrals. We're naturally going to get, you know, retain customers. We're naturally going to get them to do more business with us because we're doing great work for them already. So if we ask ourselves those three questions, we now have a group, we have a, a subgroup of clients that we answered positively to all three of those questions. That group is where you start to then dig into the demographics, the numbers, the attributes of those people. And you start to look at the psychographics. What are, the, what are their feelings? What are the common problems they have? What are the results that they're looking for? You know, what are the common aspirations they have? And inevitably what happens is you get one to three subgroups coming from that main group. Those are your ideal client types. That's the easiest place to start. But you mentioned, hey, what if, I'm, what if I'm just getting into business and I don't know? Well, you can, still, you can still make some assumptions based on research, right? The internet, I mean, there's so much information out there. We, I mean, it's all at our fingertips. So, you know, if we were, if we were just getting started in business, we could start to do some research. What, what target markets have we identified that could potentially be good markets for our product or service? And you can start to look at, okay, well, great. Where, where are these people online? You know, or what associations do they belong to? What Facebook groups, what LinkedIn groups, what influencers do they follow, right? What forums? And we can start to look at what, what kind of questions are people asking? You know, what are the common problems that they have to determine, hey, is, is what we're going to offer be of value to these people? You can do uh, ideal client interviews, right? Start to talk to people in, the, in that market and ask them. They'll give you their feedback. And then from that data that you gather, then you can start to make some educated decisions. There's still going to be guesses because you're not going to be 100% sure, but you've gathered enough information where you can start to make some choices and move forward and test those choices and those assumptions that you've made to see where you need to make tweaks or if you need to make them. No, definitely. Now, as far as crafting that message, should a company do it themselves or hire maybe a copywriter to do it? What do you think? I think it depends on where your skill sets lie, right? As business owners, we all have certain skill sets. We have gifts. Well, if, if your gift is marketing, right, or is writing copy, well, then great. You, then you should jump into that with both feet. For a lot of business owners, that's not their, their gift. And if it's not, then I would say, yes, you should 
pay somebody to do it or pay somebody to help you, you know, guide you through that process. But I think marketing messaging, you know, what you say, how you communicate the, what you do and the value that you provide, it's critical, but I don't think it's as difficult as most people make it. You know, one of the things that I think we, a lot of us have a tendency to do is try to get cute and clever with our, our message. And when we do that, we just end up, it just ends up falling flat because people, they don't understand it, you know? So we need to err on the side of being clear rather than clever. And there's an easy, there's an easy way to do this. I did not come up with this. Okay. It's just, it's, it is a storytelling framework that we use because it makes sense to me. It makes sense to clients and it works. And it's, it was popularized by a company by the name of StoryBrand um, from Donald Miller. Have you, are you familiar with this at all? Oh, I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, when it was introduced to me, it made a ton of sense. And, you know, the whole framework is, is, is around, if you think about most stories, there's a, there's a character or a hero in that story. They have a problem. They meet a guide who knows exactly how to solve that problem. And the guide gives them a plan that calls them to action so that they avoid failure and they reach success. When you use this framework from a messaging and a marketing standpoint, what we're doing is we're inviting your customers into a story where they're the hero and your company is the guide. And why is that? Well, one, our customers aren't looking for another hero. They need a guide. They need somebody who knows how to solve the problem that they have and help them get from where they are to where they want to be. And that's exactly what guides do. And so we're, we want to position your company as the guide and your client as the main character. And when you do this, you've got, and it's done, you've got this framework with all these different messaging elements and you, you're not reinventing the wheel every time you need to create a message. You just go back to the framework and you pull the bits and pieces that you need and put it together. Is there a difference you think between marketing and Legion or are they one and the same? I would say that lead gen is, is part of marketing as, as a whole, right? You can't, the, I mean, one of the main jobs of marketing is to generate leads, right? But the, here's the way I look at marketing. I define marketing as getting someone who has a need or a problem you can solve to know, like, and trust you. That's it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree 100%. Now, let's say everybody has all the fundamentals down to a science. They're ready, right? They're ready to go to market. What's the best method to reach their target audience, in your opinion? Well, there's multiple ways, and it, de- and it does depend on your target market, okay? But outside of the fundamentals, I think the next step for any business is you have to have a good website. Your website has to communicate a solid message. It's got to have good calls to action, right? You need to tell people what you want them to do from your website. You can't expect them to know, right? You've got to have a great website because everything that you do from a marketing standpoint is going to drive people back to that website. Like we've worked with plenty of clients who are like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent referral. Some people that work on 100% referral feel like they don't need to have an online presence. They don't need to have a website. I don't need to buy on Facebook. I'm 100% referral. 
in my opinion, that's totally short-sighted because for two reasons. One, if I get a referral, I don't call them immediately, right? I'm going online to look at what they're doing. I look at their website. I may look at some of their social channels to check them out. Well, if I go to your website and well, or try to find it and you don't have one, or it looks like it's from the 1990s, that's not instilling confidence. I'm probably not going to call and you never knew it. The flip side to that is I may, I might, I might want to refer your business, but I'm a little bit embarrassed because I don't want to refer you to my friend. And then they go online and they're like, Tim, what the hell, man? These people, their website sucks. They're really that good. Why'd you refer me? So those two things can happen and they happen all the time. But you got to focus on that website. Then from there, you can start to identify where your ideal clients are. You know, so, I mean, I could tell you, well, you need to be, you need to be on Facebook, but you know what? That's not, that's not going to be applicable to everybody, right? It really does depend on who you're trying to reach. And what you want to do is once you know who you're trying to reach, you can start to create a list of where those people are. Where do they congregate? Where do they get information? And when you have that list, that list is going to tell you where you need to be. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. I agree yeah. uh, wholeheartedly. Actually, one of our sponsors, Creative 813 at Tampa, Florida, one of the best website companies around. Amazing quality, amazing support, affordable, right? I know a lot of these other agencies charge a large upfront cost. Creative 813 charges a small monthly cost. Creative813.com, you know, Zach, reach out to him, Z-A-C-H at Creative813.com. Tell him Brian sent you, he'll cook you up with a great deal. Now, another quick question for you, Tim. You know, a lot of people make fundamental mistakes when it comes to marketing, right? A website's definitely one of them, right? It can't look like a legacy deal. It can't look like it's from the 90s with cobwebs all over it. You know, it's a, it's a fundamental. It's like the air that you breathe, breathe in business. It's a must or you die. What are some of the other mistakes that you've seen companies make, especially when they've come to you from a marketing perspective? I think one of the biggest mistakes that we see is people just don't, they don't have a plan. And, you know, when... I don't care whether it's marketing or anything else. Planning is a key to effectiveness. And planning will help you determine where, where your priorities are and where you need to focus. And, and so in the absence of a plan, right, everything looks like an opportunity. You know, if I don't have a plan that tells me what, are, what my priorities are and what actions I'm going to focus on for the next week, month, 90 days, whatever it may be, you know, next week when the latest marketing guru comes across and says, Hey, Tim, you gotta, you gotta be on clubhouse and here's what you need to be doing. I'm just going to chase it. And I, and, and then the week after that, I'm going to chase something else. And that's just not a recipe for, for success. So I think one of the biggest things is just, is not having that plan in place. You've got to have a plan and then you got to work the plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you help people come up with this plan, right? We do. Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely do. And I, the way we approach marketing planning is in 90 day sprints. So for a few reasons, one, our businesses are evolving and our marketing needs to evolve with it. So in my opinion, having a year long marketing plan is, 
it's going to change too many times. Why spend the time to create a plan that's that long of a period of time when you're just going to have to tweak it? Second thing is 90 days is long enough to start to see results. And then you can make course corrections. What worked? What didn't over the last 90 days? What corrections are we going to make for the next 90 days and just wash, rinse, and repeat? The the other thing with a 90-day plan is we can keep it simple. You, too many people overcomplicate planning. You know, it's like, oh, I've got this, you know, I got a 15, 20-page year-long marketing plan. Well, most entrepreneurs are not going to execute well on something like that because it's just, there's too many moving pieces. It's too complicated and they just get overwhelmed and then they don't do anything. So I have six steps in the marketing plan that we use. One is your target market. I I want you to at a minimum have a, a paragraph of for each of your one to three ideal client types. I don't think you should have more than three ideal client types. Otherwise it's going to dilute your focus. That doesn't mean that those are the only one to three client types you're going to work with. It just means those are the only people you're going to direct your marketing towards. The second thing is you got to have your goal. What's my goal going to be for the next 90 days? And it needs to be specific. It needs to be measurable. So maybe it's, I intend to bring on 10 new clients in the next 90 days. We have to have an idea of what we want and where we're headed. The third thing is we got to have, we know what our budget and our resources are. How much money do I have to invest in my marketing each month? And what resources do I have? Not only from a time perspective, do I have, is it my time? Is it staff time? But it's also capabilities. Do they have the capability? Just because, you know, Jenny in your sales department has time to do to help with social media doesn't mean she should do it, right? If she doesn't have the capabilities or the knowledge to do it, she should not be doing it. So we've got to understand that. And then this third step, we have an idea of what we have to work with, which is going to help determine how much we can focus on in our plan. I love it. Just like Hannibal Smith said, I love it when a plan comes together, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, fourth step, right? We have to have, we have to have an, a baseline. We have to look at what our current marketing plan is. And when I say that, Brian, I realize a lot of people may not have a plan. That's okay. I just want you to identify what you've done and what you continue to do for your marketing efforts. That at least gives you a reference point of where you're starting from. It's like on my GPS. I can't, I can't tell my GPS I want to go to Denver International Airport without first telling it where I'm starting from. That's exactly what we're doing in this step. And once we've done that, then we can move on to the next step, which is what am I going to focus on for my marketing in the next 90 days? And depending on what budget, what resources I have, that's going to help determine how much I can bite off. But I'm going to have that laid out so I know exactly what my marching orders are, what I'm, gonna, what actions I'm going to take for the next 90 days. And then the last step is what metrics am I going to track? What numbers am I going to track that are going to help indicate whether the actions I'm taking are effective or not? And then at the end of the 90 days, I can look at all this, look at the metrics. Did I reach my goal? You know, what actions did we take? start to have an impact, what didn't, and we can we can make those corrections and then we just start all over again. That's it. There you go. Well said. I love it. 
Tim, this has been great. Any final thoughts or any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Uh, I would just say, as business owners, I know it can be overwhelming at times, not just marketing, but just running a business. There's so many different moving parts, so many different things going on. I would just tell you, focus on the next measurable step that you need to take to get to where you want to be. When we take those larger goals that we have and we break them down into just that next measurable step, that next small step we can take to get one step closer, it becomes much, much easier and not nearly as overwhelming. Love it. Love it. Now, Tim, just have one last question, just a personal question, just to get to know you just a little bit better. So you're going to be retiring on your own private island and you're going to live there for the rest of your life. Now, you can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? Oh, man, that's a great question. So uh, one book, the book that comes to mind that I recently read is called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Excellent book. Just talks about how we can do more by focusing on less. We just need to focus on the right things. Album, man, that's a tough call. Uh, I like a lot of different kind of music. I would say one of the one of the albums from Florida, Florida Georgia Line. I could I can't pick one. Okay. Um, uh, and with them, so I had a book, an album. Now you got the movie. Movie, uh, the original Point Break with Keone Reeves. Nice. Yeah. Don't don't one. fault me. No, no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Tim, it's been wonderful. How do people connect with you and learn more? Uh, best place to go, Brian, is our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. So that's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. If your listeners want to get a little bit more details, some resources to help them with the fundamentals that we talked about today, they can go to our website. We set up a landing page for One Broken Cog listeners. It's rialtomarketing.com forward slash the dash one dash broken dash cog. And there's a ton of free resources there to help them take advantage of that. If they get stuck, just click on the get a free consultation button that's on our website. It's all over the place. Be nice. happy to, to chat with you and help you push through those roadblocks. Wonderful, Tim. It's been awesome. Listen, have a great day. Maybe tomorrow for breakfast, I'll have a Denver omelet in your honor. Yeah, hey, yeah. that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, definitely keep up the good work. Yep, You too. All right. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.